You were trying to throw the ball on first and goal, second and goal, panicking at third, fourth. I'm wishing for a month. Welcome to the 510 Huddle. It's your host, Isaiah, with Coach D Lane. How you doing today? Man, I'm doing great, Zay. You know, it's a crazy time right now out in the world. But um, just trying to keep positive spirit, positive light out there and, um, and give that off to other people and share it. Um, how you feeling today? Man, I'll be honest. It's been a tough couple of weeks, you know, having to go through the day to day. You got the pandemic. You got, uh, you know, the terrible violence towards uh, the black community that's been ongoing. But, you know, you got to see it every day. That's the thing. I, I don't know about you, but I've had to take some social media breaks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Zay, I was going to ask you, how do you feel about, like, just the state of our people right now as far as, like, I, I really definitely think this is the most unified we've ever been, like, at least these past few weeks on the front lines of the protests. Um, we, we, we're definitely unified. People hear us. But I also feel like we're, we're coming together in the streets as far as, like, I just had a conversation with my cousin the other day, Zay, and I was telling him, Telling him it feel like it feels like when I'm out in the streets when I run across other black men now I haven't really got like too many meme mugs like it's all it's been a lot of oh how you doing brother or you feel me how your day doing you feel me or what you what you got going and I try to do the same thing man and I feel like for the guys out there listening if if you do get a mug from another brother just continue on with the love continue on with the light because um I definitely feel like it's being spreaded right now I'm not feeling no hate from no other other black man right now and I I, I should we shouldn't you feel me yeah I, I would agree I mean. Just being out there at the late June Juneteenth and just seeing everyone come together, there was no violence, no problems the whole time. Um, and then, like you said, just being being out and about from a business standpoint, uh, I've been part of a lot of uh, like a lot of uh, Zoom meetings with all Black people trying to get into tech, trying to network, trying to grow the industry. I've never seen something just all all these Black people coming together, um, either trying to build wealth, trying to network. It, it, it's been great to see, um, even in my job day to day, like. For people that don't know, I work in the tech industry, and part of my role is to uh, set meetings with different tech companies and hopefully do business. Um, and I've been having, uh, you know, African Americans that work in the tech space have been reaching out to me like, "Hey, can we set a meeting up?" So I've seen a, even on the business side of everyone just trying to come together. So I think that is the positive from all this. Yes, we see the violence, but uh, I think in my lifetime, this this is the strongest and most unified we've been. Yeah, and I definitely want to give a shout out to um, some of our, our, our white counterparts out there. Um, I feel like this generation, um, the white counterparts are on the front lines more than ever. Um, and you definitely got to tip your hat to them. Um, it's still a lot of work to be done. Um, I definitely want to shout out People's Breakfast of Oakland. Uh, you can follow them on People's Break Oak uh, on Twitter. They're definitely on the front lines doing, doing some amazing work, giving back to the homeless helping them out um, a few petitions here. You can also uh, help uh, sign. You could text Floyd, all caps Floyd, to 55156. You can text JUSTICE, all caps, JUSTICE, to 668366. And you can text ENOUGH, all caps, to 55156. All petitions you can sign to help create change. Yeah, and then, uh, uh, anybody else uh, that has any... Uh, great organizations to donate or be a part of, please let us know so we can put it on the pod and um, more people can know about the organizations and people making change. Zay, before we dive into um, the, the the original topic for the pod, 
Um, I also wanted to ask you, we talked about it a little bit off camera. How you feel about Black Lives Matter? No, I think I think that's a great question. Um, the organization yeah. itself and where the hell it came from. It's, it's two ways to look at this. To me, nothing is ever completely positive and completely negative. I look at the Black Lives Matter movement as it got white people to pay attention to the, the issues uh, in America with the black community. To me, the negative is it's been taken over by everyone else's issues. For one, um, I don't know who runs it, so I, we don't even know who the source of Black Lives Matters is. Two, um, like you brought up, is it a city by city thing, state by state? Yeah, and, and different it, chapters, it, yeah. yeah, different chapters. What what type of level is this? And then three, third, and my, my thing is, I think there's always other issues that always get latched on a Black Lives Matter. I'm seeing a lot of the LGBTQ attaching themselves to Black Lives Matter. Again, complete support for that group. But, you know, that's a whole different separate movement, right? And I think we're, there's too many different movements trying to attach themselves to Black Lives Matter. Like, no. If you're black, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, gay, bi, trans, whatever. You're black at the end of the day. So it's strictly about black lives. I don't think we should have all these organizations attaching themselves. Yeah. So what's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I just, you know, I just want to know, like, where's the source? Who's the source behind behind it? Because you remember a few weeks ago or a week ago when they had the uh, blackout and it was supposed to be connected to Black Lives Matter. But when you realize it's blanking out all the information that, that we need to see, it's like, I don't know, it's just, it's kind of fishy to me. And then Sean King is linked to it. Uh, who, was, who was the other guy? D-Ray. Uh, D-Ray, yeah. And both of these guys have multiple receipts pulled on them of just, you know, being a little fishy with the money that they're getting um, through through GoFundMes and at, when they're speaking at political events. Um, I'm just a little iffy on it. And then is it, a, is it a city by city thing? Do we have presidents in each city? Like, I just don't understand... Um, I, I don't feel the unity like how we have on the front lines of the protest. I don't understand. I don't feel that with Black Lives Matter because we don't know who the source is. We don't know like where it's coming from. You said it's fun, funded by a white man? Uh, George Soros. If you look him up, uh, he's not the uh, the most likable guy. I'll tell you that right now. So that's what makes things really interesting. And I think, um, I think as a positive, like you said, I think we're more unified than I've ever seen in my lifetime. So the next step after after having uh, everyone unified is having leadership and organization. So, so I think we action. need, you know, uh, you know, it's not, you know, it's people like me and you, we can spread the message. We can talk about it, but we need people that are comp educated um, and in the space, in the field every day, like the people's uh, breakfast club of Oakland, they're, they're in the field every day. They know what's going on. They dedicate their life to this. People like me and you, we know our sports, we know other stuff, but you know, we need we need leaders, someone that can unify that's been on the front lines for a while with this. Definitely. Um, before we dive into the topic today, being black in America, being a black athlete in America, that is, um, I definitely like to shout out Coach Deco. He's a frequent uh, frequent guest on the Five One Zero Huddle, a role model and a front, uh, mentor of mine. He definitely inspired this uh, podcast for me and Isaiah. He called me a few weeks ago um, out the blue. And just gave us some inspiration, you know, because me and Zay actually wanted to uh, lay low and kind of be quiet right now during during this crazy time that we uh, that we're experiencing outside. We wanted to just sit back, but um, we realized we have a platform, regardless of how many people listen or don't listen. Um, it can still be we're just an added voice to help, you know, and that's all we're we're here for. No, and spot on. And uh, again, yeah, shout out to Coach Deco for helping us bring this up. Me and uh, Coach D. Lane didn't want to make a pod for a while. We didn't feel it was appropriate to just even talk about sports 
and we wanted to uh, gather more information and uh, re really take these next couple podcasts uh, really serious and detailed about what's going on. Um, and and I also want to highlight the whole reason that we even thought about doing this because we realized about 90% of uh, college coaches are white and same goes for NFL. I think it's a little less. Um, and with that being said, uh, being, football being 70% black, that means from JUCO, D3, all the way to D1, coaches have made their livelihood off the backs of black black, uh, black Americans. Mm. Let's say that again. Mm. Coaches have made their livelihood and changed generations off the backs of black players. Mm. So uh, we're, gonna, we're about to let's dive, dive into, into it. Being a black athlete in America, look. Let's dive right into it, Zay. It's been multiple reports. Not your your former player at Sierra College, but other former players at Sierra College that you play with and before and after you have came out saying they experienced some racial issues, tensions, whatever the case may be at the campus. Let's start let's start with what made you initially want to go to Sierra College? And this is in Rockland, correct? Rockland, yes. California? Yes. Up Sub north a little bit? Yes, okay. Sub suburb of Sacramento. What made you initially want to go to Sierra? No, great question. So uh, for people that don't know, fresh out of college, I went to a D2 school called Grandview University. There I was around amazing coaching staff, a great team. They actually won the national championship the following year. For me, I was not ready uh, coming from a Climbing High School to be in Iowa on my own. I, I was I was immature. Uh, so I was let go from my football team, uh, you know, from disagreement with the coaches. Again, not a single ill word I would speak of that coaching staff, amazing coaching staff. Um, I just wasn't ready. Mm. So at that time, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, J.J. Tillman, uh, you guys, he's been on the podcast before. Uh, he, he was at Sacramento State. Uh, we're, we're looking for our next opportunity. And he's like, hey, it's a school called Sierra College out in uh, Sacramento. They got a new coach. I'm thinking about going there. I was like, great, I'm going to go back home. I'm thinking about going to DVC, Chabot. I'm a receiver. I'm trying to go to a passing school. Uh, Coach Noonan from Sierra reached out to me, uh, knew that I was trying to transfer and said, hey, I run Air Raid. I'm a first-year head coach here. Um, you know, it's not a receiver. My offense doesn't get less than 50 catches. So as a receiver, like, oh, what, Air Raid? I'm like, okay. My mom, my family, they knew me, uh, me being immature at the time. I don't think it's best for you to be back home in Oakland, right? So I go up to Sierra College. I pick I picked that school solely solely for the air raid offense. I had a chance to live uh, in an apartment, be on my own a little bit uh, with you know a good friend of mine I grew up with, and so I had all the check boxes. And like you said, it's a beautiful area. I thought I was going to an amazing program. Okay, before you, uh, we're gonna dive into uh, Coach Noonan, Noonan a little more. Mm -hmm. But can you give me a background on him, like as far where, as far as where he came from before he got to Sierra? Yeah. So he was the offensive coordinator down in, uh, in, so in Southern California. I forget the exact school. I want to say El Camino. Okay. I could be wrong. Um, but he had a, a nice coaching track record. was a QB coach at Baylor, uh, coached at different Division II schools. Uh, and um, and he's a white man. He's a white man, right? Okay. And, and really made his name for himself as was a – Was he older? Was he older? Older, uh, uh, mid-40s. Mid-40s, mid early 40s when I got with him. Okay. Um, he's from the Bay Area. Went to Santa Rosa. Okay. Uh, you know uh, – and so, yeah, I was just okay. Thinking, we'll dive yeah. back more into with him in a minute. Um, how was the campus environment? Zay? Like, did you feel racial racial tensions at all when you was walking the campus during your time there? Time there, and you did two years, correct? Yes, Four years two there? years. Okay, did you feel any anything while you were walk while you were walking uh, campus? No, my whole time last year, uh, far as I would say, uh, the 
the, the teachers and the staff there. I didn't feel any racial racial tension at all. Um, actually had an amazing um, African-American teacher I had that taught me ethnic studies. Um, now, it was an extreme lack of diversity there. Uh, but out on the school, no. Now, from outside of school with police, yes, we definitely got pulled over our, our fair share. Um, but the school, no. Yeah. How about how about the locker room? How was the locker room? Was it any was there ever any racial issues in it, players or coaches wise? And just for note, for me, I never because I remember Shannon Sharp talking about it. I never experienced any racial problems. I feel like in the locker room, yeah. I probably had feelings like a teammate. Maybe you know could have been racist, but I never really had too many racial problems throughout my playing career. What about you at your time during Sierra? Yeah, we uh, my my, my first two years there. As far as the players go. Um, I, I didn't have any type of uh, racial tensions. We're, we're a close, close-knit group. Now, when it comes to the coaches, uh, my offensive line coach there uh, in front of the team called Obama a monkey. All right, said, mm. we need to get that monkey out of office. Mm. Um, right? So that, that was clear uh, how our linemen felt about players. Uh, and then, like I said, we had a tight-knit locker room. No, no racism at all with, uh, with our team and players. Okay, so you didn't feel, but you just said track down the offensive lineman. So you felt like the offensive lineman no, shared some no, of the same the sentiments offensive as lineman, coach. coach. Okay, the coach, okay. yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, what about, our, so you kind of touched on it already, but did you or any of your minority teammates ever have any, like, bad encounters with the police outside? Yeah, uh, one, there? one of my teammates, I, I won't forget this day, we had a place called Alberto's, right? Uh, just a 24-hour Mexican spot, right? You get, you don't, you only get burritos there. Um so it was around, around 8 o'clock. Me, me and my uh, friends, you know, like college, playing video games. We got hungry. Went out to uh, grab a quick bite to eat. We got pulled over. There probably about an hour. The police officer ran about five different um, DUI checks on, on my teammate, um, who's African-American as well. And they, they swore he was drunk. All right. Yeah. I'm vouching for him. Like, I've been with him all day. We haven't had a sip of alcohol. Um, and so that that was something we experienced with the police. Uh, another teammate of mine, um, he actually uh, filed a civil suit with uh, with the city of Rockland and uh, Sierra College. He was falsely arrested um, mm. and kicked off the team due, due to it. Wow, wow. And uh, because of this, our, our head coach, uh, Noonan, had kicked him off the team for no reason at all, um, did not allow him to get a chance back on the team. And, the, and just to get a little background on my teammate here, you can look the story up. He's from New York, so he came all the way out to California. He came mm, out of the football. Out of state. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He, he put won. him in a bad position. Now, and now, to prove how, how the police were racist and wrong and the school, he uh, he won the case, and they, they wrote him a check. Mm. Sierra tries to cover that. Yeah, Sierra tries to cover that up. They That, that no, that was, uh, you know, right there is when I think it was my first year where I really, really started looking at Noonan different. When I saw that happen, like, kicked a, a guy off the team for nothing he did wrong. He simply was falsely arrested and proven that he was falsely arrested. But, you know, that's the, you know, that's part of the systematic racism in America. And Noonan's still there. Yes, he's still there. And uh, if you look at the team, his first year coaching was my first year there. First year head coach uh, was 2013. I want, if anyone, I'm curious, I want you to go look at the roster and how it looked 2013 and go look, go see how it looks today. It's not diverse at all. Not, Mm -hmm. not at all. And it's really rare, I, I mean, to see, and a football team that's not really diverse. Would you agree? Definitely, especially in SAC. Yeah, especially in, I mean, Except college. SAC yeah. high school. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, SAC got ballers, black yeah. athletes, ballers. Yeah. Grant, I mean, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and the way, Dale, what's that? Dale Campbell, what's yeah. that? Dale Oro out there. Yeah, there's a bunch of schools out there. Oh, yeah. A lot of schools, and that's, um, you know, and just the, 
to just dive deeper in on on what happened at Sierra with with my with my coach. My first year, I just hey, I I, I felt I kind of felt like maybe it's it's me. I, I'm not. I need to mature more. Maybe I have something from Grandview, and I'm not. I'm taking over me, right? Um, I had a coach there my first year. Rest in peace, Coach Montreal, the only African American coach on the coaching staff. Um, he's actually part of the reason I made you know one of my best plays of my career. Fourth and twenty-two, uh, uh, he said, "You got to put your playmakers in." He's the reason I got in the game. I scored a touchdown. We won the game. Um, he, he was there for me, fought for me. Um, and as soon as he left, and he left because of tensions with Noonan, he said, "I can't speak on much. He's just not a good guy." That's what mm. he told me. Mm. Um, so I might raise my eyebrows. Now let's. Just, like most people ask me, Isaiah, why didn't you transfer? I just came from Grandview. That's Sierra. I was not trying to go to three schools in three years. That's mm-hmm. just not what's going to happen. Not a good look, so at this time, or I'm going to my second year Sierra. I I know my lineman coach. I'm like, okay, he's, he's a racist guy, but you know, it's you not too surprising. Right? Yeah, 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 I don't have to deal with him on a daily day basis. Uh, my mindset of noon is just he's a, he's a weird guy. His he was emotions. Some days to come to practice, happiest guy on earth. Some days to come to practice. Just F you to everyone. Just you couldn't understand his emotions. So I'm in my second year. I'm like, okay, you know, I want to make a name for myself. Um, and, you know, I'm going to gonna spend my second year here. During my second year, uh, I've I started every game. I've done, it's only one game last year I didn't start, and that was my first game there. In two years, I started every game. And I started going through my, my plays. And it's not, not to brag or anything, but I was throwing uh, 52 passes at my time last year. And I caught 42 of them. So yeah, that's pretty good, right? And over 42 passes, 30 of them went for first downs. So I, I had a meeting with my coach at the end of my, my year. Uh, excuse me. I want, let me rewind. My first game of the season, we're playing San Francisco City. Um, first game of the season of your second year? Yeah, my second year. Right. Okay. This is where everything just takes a, a wild turn. Um, and if everyone knows me. I broke my back when I was 14. Uh, I have no feeling to buy my left foot. It's been that way since I was 14. Um, and I, during the game, I had a player uh, hit me in my back after the play. I bounced up, pushed him back. I got kicked out the game. So I've done that? No. But anyone knows me, my back is, is sensitive. It's a sensitive area for me. My coach pushed me in anger management after that. He said I have anger issues and pushed me in anger management. Uh, in order to come back to the team, I have to complete a certain amount of hours. I've never in my life been told I need anger management. Have I been a knucklehead in the past middle school? Yeah, but never I've been told I need anger management. From that point on, I feel like I, I felt like I really started seeing Coach Newton before he was. We get to the middle of the season. We have one of our white players come in at halftime, cuss the whole team out, cuss the whole coaching staff out. He still goes out and plays the rest of the game, and he is team captain next week. Mm. Let me repeat that. He cut. Cusses the whole team out, cusses the coaching staff out, plays the rest of the game, and is the team captain the next week. On top of that, Coach Newton refused to talk about it with anyone and and say he does not have to explain himself. And on top of that, wouldn't you say a guy like that needs anger management, Coach D-Lane? Man. Oh, he didn't put him in anger management? No anger management. No anger management. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. That's that's wild. Yeah, that's right. That's so wild, then, that man. was that was the moment I think the whole team and, and especially African American players we started talking like, hey, Noonan might be someone that's not who he is, right? Yeah, I was just gonna say you can't you can't 
I'm I'm not sure how you, you guys' season went after that, but I'm pretty sure it probably didn't turn out the best. Because, we only won three games my second year. By the way, I was gonna say you can't you can't play for a man like that. You can't play because you can't consider him a leader if you gonna let a player like that be team team captain the following week after he did some shit like that and not explain himself at, at all. You yeah. feel me? Yeah, that's and, not that's not a good look. And then this was the cherry on the top. Uh, the last before the last game of the season of my time at Sierra. I, I, like I told you, I, I did all the stats. Like, okay, I got thrown this many passes in my time. I've, I started every game except my first game my freshman year at Sierra. Why Why don't I get more touches? I'm just curious, right? So I go in his office and I'm like, hey, coach, I just, you know, I'm going to my last game here. And I just want to get some things off my chest. Uh, one is, like, I just, just want to, you know, wonder why I didn't get the ball as much as I thought I did, uh, you know, through my time here. I was like, you know, and two, you know, I just want to understand, you know, why I was anger management and, and why we've had this tension. To this day, I've never been told this by anyone. He's like, Isaiah, he's like, I'm going to get the ball to a player that doesn't smile enough when they talk to me, you know, doesn't doesn't uh, talk, you know, talk good about me. You know, I'm not going to give a ball to a player like that. He's like, also, I'll be quite honest. I don't really like you that much. Mm, he likes feeling getting. He's like, so... Why would I help out a player I don't really like? He's like, you're right. I haven't thrown a single fade ball to you this year. Why would I? And I said, coach, I can understand your feelings. There's something I did here at the time to uh, make you feel this way. He's like, I told you, you don't come practice uh, every day smiling. Uh, you know, you like to, uh, uh, I don't, I want to misquote him here because I don't know the exact quote here. Uh, he's like, but you don't come to practice and have a, I guess, a, a jolly attitude. And it's all about how you treat me, right? And he's talking to me how I'm his boss and you got to treat your boss well in order things go well at school or at work. I get, you know, I guess he's trying to give me a life lesson in a way. Then I asked him this. I said, coach, you know what? And I believe him. You know what? I believe all that. How come I was sending anger management and our teammate wasn't? He said, I don't need to talk about that. Our, our conversation is done. Hmm. So then after that, at, let me say all this. I still don't think, you know what? I don't know if Coach Newton is racist. I had to talk with Coach Montreux after my season, after I was done at Sierra. And uh, the things he heard this, saying, this man say, the things he has said to Coach Montreux, the reason he left, who's a, a top who's a top defensive coach. And uh, again, rest in peace. He had got the head coaching job at uh, El, El Cabrera and passed away suddenly. Yeah. Um, but that coach, without him, I would have made it at Sierra. Uh, African American coach came the following year after me and was only there one year because of the race, the racism he said behind Noonan. So that's two African American coaches that could not coach under Noonan. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, so I realized from the standpoint, even with recruiting, none of the black players got help with recruiting. Uh, uh, JJ Tillman, one of our, our guys, he went to Southeastern. South, he if he never emailed Southeastern himself, he wouldn't win D two. Mm. And I, just a quick note: anyone who wants to watch, uh, look at JJ Tillman JUCO highlights. One of the best JUCO film. You'll, you'll see. And I was about to touch on, I was about to, uh, I was about to go there with Tilly as far as the end of your, your last story, Noonan remind, reminding me of how, so our first, anybody that knows JJ, JJ was my roommate in college, um, JJ Tillman, if you know JJ, you know he's pretty quiet and just chill for the most part, like, you know, he, he just doesn't like to talk much. So probably like our first month, month there, we're having team meetings, Tilly's always quiet, you know, like, but he's always like just, Sitting in his chair, look, you would think he's not paying, I don't want to say not even paying attention, you would just think he don't give a fuck. You feel yeah. me? By the way, he's sitting there, 
and just mm-hmm. quiet to herself, not bothering nobody. But that's Tilly. And when he put that helmet on, it's time to go to work. And he going to lay your ass out, I promise you. But uh, the coach used to always just say, like, well, what's wrong? Tell me what, what you don't you don't like being here or something. Like he just he just used to always pick at JJ as far as JJ not speaking up or being vocal. And I'm like, but he out there making plays. He out there communicating when it's time to communicate, pre-snap, post-snap. Like I think you said best what I was trying to explain what my coach was saying. My mannerisms weren't like uh, I guess appreciative that I want to be there in a way, right? Yeah. If anyone knows me that I play football, I only know how to play football one way. That's mad. I, I get myself mad before games. That's the only way. I'm not I love football. When I come to practice, I got a fucking attitude because I'm it's a violent game. It's a violent game. Yeah. You, so, can't, you can't be sweet out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't play as sweet right? out there. And let's no say I mean, I'm pretty sure you got I always got the light skinned jokes with teammates and stuff, right? I'm gonna let you know I'm not here to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm not D Lane from your perspective as a coach. I don't have no problem with a player coming out. If he, I'm working every day, I'm putting the extra work in. Let's keep. I was never a great issue. Graduate co- Sierra College three point four. I was like, what? What did I do? Never, no off the field issues. Never went arrested. Yeah. But this guy painted me out to be a, a bad, bad guy. guy yeah. And, and what's crazy is my co- what's ironic is my college coach used to always say everybody gets treated uh, treated differently, but you are gonna get treated fairly. So if you put yourself in the coaches' the shoes. I will. I, I, you gotta manage egos. That's that's all it is, really. When you're coaching, you gotta manage egos, man. So if you know your player is kind of like an introvert or he doesn't really like to speak too much, but he's a baller, work with that. Why are you picking at him? Because that's how that's how your player is, or that's that's how he operates. Especially if it, if he's still producing, like you feel me. It was too many times I felt like in college I, I seen coaches just kind of pick at players, or and then the worst is when when they talk down to us, like we yeah. boy, or when they hit you with the boy shit. Like no, no, nah, nah, we got you. Got to cut. You got to cut that shit out right, right there from the gate. Cause we we men. We might be young, but we all are grown men here. Let me ask you this: How do you feel about this? Once once you're in college, I look at it as uh, I'm a man, you're a man, coach. There's no difference. You have to pay your bills. I have to pay my bills. You're and using I, me to pay your bills. I know, like <laughs> like similar, like players like me and you. We didn't grow up with our fathers. Yeah. I don't need you to be my daddy. And yeah. that's one thing that I think coaches try to do in college. Like, hold on, I'm 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. I can go to the military and die for my country. And you calling me boy. You calling me son. And I, I don't like how coaches go to players' house. Like, I'm going to treat him like he's my own son. You don't even treat like no player like he's your own son. You treat him like he's a player. Simple. You know what I mean? Fair. I just think that's something that needs to be discussed and open more. Like, I am not your son. I'm not your boy. I'm an equal to you. Yeah. You're the head coach. And, yes, you have authority over me on this football team. But you don't have authority over me once I leave this football team. And the let's ones that, that let that be clear. And the ones that make you feel like they son and shit like that, it comes naturally, man. You don't just you don't just force that shit or just say it anyway. One like an example we talked about Coach Rush. Coach Rush yeah. Did a lot, right? Yeah, Coach Rush. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. But I just know he retired, but Coach Rush from City College, man, shout out to him. I only spent two weeks at City College in the spring and he made me feel like like I was one of his own. If anybody's ran into Coach Rush from City College, he retired now a few years ago. You will say the same thing. Coach Rush is definitely a legend, but he he just gives you that that feeling like he's authentic naturally. Like he makes you feel like you his son naturally. It's not forced, and he's a white man, old as hell yeah. from back in those days. You feel me? But you can tell it's authentic with him. You feel me? No, you're spot on. And it's funny. Uh, I told my grandfather is good friends with Coach Rush. I've never seen a player, a coach, go to battle for his players. It could be the smallest D two school in the world. He'll, he'll make sure his players get into a school at top notch. He'll go to battle for his players. And it's ironic. The coach that cares the most about his players won the most national championships. 
I don't know, right? And the, my former coach can't win more than six, seven games. <laughs> the man can't win shit. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, your coach at Laney, he got a natty on his belt, yeah. right? You yeah. see a lot of players come for him. You even see, I saw a coach say, you can tell how good a coach is by how many players come back to support him, yeah. right? You see the Bama, Nick Saban, right? He's, he fights for his players. I remember his rant. He said, you guys want me to kick the guy off the team? He's 18. I'm not kicking no guy off the team for a mistake. Mm. Like, you know, st stuff like that. Yeah. And we, my coach is kicking guys off the team for falsely getting arrested. Mm. That's crazy. That's crazy. Right? Yeah, but I, I'll let it die. Enough on, on the Sierra story. Feel free to DM me, contact me. You want to know more about it. I can't talk about everything publicly. Uh, but I really I really want to dive into uh, D-Lane's time at, at CV. Oh, yeah, man. I almost forgot about mine. I was, I, I was <laughs> deeply interested in what you were saying, Zach. Um, yeah, man, I tell people all the time, you know, because like, most of my family and friends know I, I spent time in the South when I went to school in Louisiana and college. I, I spent about three and a half years down there. But I tell people all the time, man, I experienced more racism in Castro Valley, California than I ever did in the South. And um, I think because in the South, you know what it is down there as far as they don't hide it. They We don't mess with you. You don't mess with us. You're over there. We're over here type shit. You feel me? Yeah. California, they hide it a lot better. Their racism, you feel me? They hide it a lot better. I had multiple, I had multiple um, racial profile incidents in Castro Valley, but um, I, I didn't want to take too much time. I had one specific story. I think that hit home because it was just ironic that. So one night, um, I'm in Castro Valley. I'm with my ex. We leave uh, Fruitvale. We went to go see Fruitvale Station. Uh, if anybody from Oakland or really anybody that knows about police brutality should know about Oscar Grant. He was a, black, a young black man, African-American man from Oakland, California that was um, gunned down by police, by BART police, or OPD. Whatever, while he was handcuffed. While he was handcuffed at Fruitvale Spark Station in Oakland. So I think the opening night of the movie, this is whatever year it came out. Uh, I was still in high school. I went to the opening night at the Grand Lake in downtown Oakland, <laughs> or like in Oakland, you feel me, in the heart of the town. I went to see the movie. So I'm leaving. I'm in the backseat. My ex is driving. Um, I'm in the backseat because my stomach hurt. So I'm laying down. I got all black on. And um, next thing I know, like when I just lay up, we down the street from our crib, I lay up and I look around. I see hell of police cars surround us. Next thing you know, it's like 20 guns around the car aimed at me at the backseat of the window. You feel me? Star athlete at Castro Valley, two blocks up, up the street. My high school is two blocks up the street. You feel me? Yeah. <laughs> and it's 20 it's twenty guns pointed at me. I'm scared. I'm damn near shit in my pants. I'm scared. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, you feel me? So, like, they dragged me out the car, throw me out the car, damn near on the ground, throw me up against the car. You feel me? Uh, cuff me. Um, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Ooh, ooh. They like, oh, you fit a uh, description of a robbery that just happened around the corner at the gas station. I'm like, what? Come to find out later. So it, it was a, a, a dark skinned man, medium athletic built. I guess because, you know, I got shades of black in me. It was me because I got all black on and they just immediately thought it was me. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't even fit the, y'all said dark skinned man. I ain't dark skinned, but yeah. clearly you see I'm a brother. You wanted to pull me over. Okay. Like, that shit. Well, and it was just ironic to me that it was the same night I went and seen Fruitvale Station, man. What was, your, Oscar Grant, his what, was your, what was your exact thoughts while the uh, the guns were drawn on you? Were you thinking about I yourself? was scared shitless as far as for my life. I'm thinking about my mama. I'm thinking about every, like, yeah. I, 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 I didn't mean shot before, so I know how I feel. You feel me, Zach? How, how so, was your, how, uh, at, 
your lady at the time, how was she feeling? With that? Man, she was going crazy. Like they, they trying to calm her down. They not arresting her right away. You see how they arrested me, doing me. But they then started assaulting her because she going crazy on them about how they handle me. They damn near arrest her and put her in the car. I just get detained. You feel me? But they put her in the car because she acting up because of how they was treating me. And um, yeah, man, it was, it was just crazy. It was scary. It was scary, Zay, but and and you know what's crazy is all of us. Every black young man had black man has trauma and PTSD from police officers. So now, whenever a cop gets gets behind me, I'm scared shitless. I'm legal. I'm clean as hell. I ain't got no felonies, no misdem, nothing. I'm clean as hell. License, everything. I'm scared. I'm still scared shitless when the cop gets behind me, bro. You feel me? They, no, we should not be feeling like that. That's crazy. And it should be normal that we got so many stories. Like, I feel like every, so, right? Like, I was in San Leandro, same thing. Went to the movies, saw the Medea went to jail, came just out. Mm-hmm. Me and my homies, well, actually, me and my one homie are walking home. Police said it was a robbery at that donut shop across the street from Bayfair. Mm-hmm. You know, that donut shop? I know exactly. Yeah, they threw us on the ground, uh, elbows cut up, searched it, and said, oh, it's not them, and left. Not a single word, not not sorry. Legal they search. threw us on the ground. Legal now, search. My my uh my homie I was with, he's a six four black dude. They roughed him and he's dark skinned. They roughed him up, searched him everything. Me, at this time about one fifty. I'm you know, I'm little I'm in high school. Throw me on the ground. They went through both my pockets real quick. They said it's not him. Legit just pushed me away. Went through my homie. So I'm hearing this, I'm like, man, they put out twenty guns for one dude. For one, one dude. dude, yeah, bro, right, sitting in the back seat of a car, <laughs> twenty dude, and not, they don't even know; they just assuming. Yeah, and I always thought about this, right? I'm pretty sure happened in the workplace. I always get called mixed up with another black guy, right? My job, it was only one other black guy in the office. They always mixed our names up. Yeah, I'm like, could you imagine? I was be the other way, like you just, you know what? Like, let's say a white dude does something to you, yeah. you just go beat up some random white dude. Oh, you look close to the dude I was looking for. Yeah, like what? And then, can you talk about how, do you feel like there's any racial tension from your community as a football player there at SCV? Man, um, like I said, I don't, I don't like to brag on myself too much. Yeah. You feel me? I, I I was all league, running back and on defense. I was uh, I played in the new league. I played in the HAL and I played in the new league that it oh, is okay. now. And I was a defensive, first defensive player of the year in the new league. You feel me? Yeah. Um, so I was a pretty good player. I didn't. I had another incident on campus. I don't really want to get into it. Maybe one day later, but I, I, you feel me? It was with the campus security that I was actually cool with that thought I had did something, you feel me, with this white person. You feel me? And I'm like, no, that's totally not the case. We got it on camera. Everything ended up being cleared up. But it's just the fact that how they approach you as soon as they think you're guilty. You feel me? Or they think that you're in the middle of something. It's like you get, you get approached instantly like you're guilty. You feel me? And it's like, hold on, but I was just... I was your boy the other day. I was D-Lane, you feel me? I ran for a few touchdowns for you last yeah, week. You wasn't saying that, you feel me? Like, yeah. you feel me? So I had a few incidents like that, man. This shit is just crazy. It's a local it's a local town uh, grocery store, Castle Valley, a few blocks away. I can't think of the name of it. I walked in there with my friends one time. I picked some candy up. I was going to get it. Didn't end, up, didn't end up wanting that kind. Put it down. Got something else. Yeah. Walked out. And he was like, hey, man, what happened to that uh, board you had in your hand? Ooh, basically just racially profiling me. Me and my friends thinking we were still in. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I put it back. I bought, I bought this. Like, what are you asking me about that for? I put the shit back. Like, is it? You know, this makes me think about what if you had made a wrong move that night, right? They would have, they would have, yeah, 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 they would have 20 bullets in you, right? Now, let's just take, let's just take a step back, right? D-Lane at, is, is the nothing 
criminally wrong in his life, right? This takes if he had ended his life that that day, they would have killed a man that went on to get his college degree, that went on to work in schools to help help other kids, and now is doing a podcast to spread awareness. That that's what you went on to do your life. That's I think if you just say that most people are like that's that's a good man right there, but but in that moment. That, that, all that would have been taken away. Yeah. And think about how many black men that, that would have made a difference in the world had a moment taken away. And and to fast forward forward it to today and present time, what's crazy to me is when we see these lynchings, present day lynchings, and the fucking media has a nerve to try to spin it to us that these young black men are hanging themselves. Or they're they suicide, it's possible suicide. The fuck? Were you what? Yeah. You, you really think we that stupid? We that dumb? Like, come on, bro. This shit is crazy. This this shit is it's mind-boggling, man. And, and I don't want it to come down to, like, revolution and all-out brawl, war, race war, or whatever. But, man, it's like, it's like they, they keep saying, oh, we got to crack the system and we got to beat it, you know, with, with education right. and teaching knowledge and teaching people. First of all, I always say I don't think we can win it with the system because I feel like we can't win a game that's not designed for you to win. The system's not designed for us to win. And secondly, I just I don't know what the answer is, man. It's like what the what the fuck do you want from us? Y'all are hanging us. A, black, a young black woman I just seen before we started the pod, she was burned to death today in, in Wisconsin. Yep. Burned to death for being black. What kind of shit is that, bro? Like, See, and it was crazy that we talk about. She was mixed. Yeah, it's, it's, that's the go to rule. Like, if you got just a little bit of black in you, white people, white people don't care. You just all the same. She was a mixed, mixed girl. Like, she looked really light-skinned. They didn't care. They're like, you got a little bit of you, we're going we're gonna to kill you. And to bring up your point about you don't want the revolution, you don't want the violence, I'm just speaking, you know, everyone knows I was an American history major in college. There's not been a single time in history where change was made without violence. And if you can find one, please let me know. And I bet you you can. How does slavery end? With war. It's not forget How does slavery end with war? What civil rights movement? How, how how does civil rights movement? How did all this stuff come where people go to school together? It came from death. They killed almost every black leader. They killed John F. Kennedy. They killed a lot of people. That's what started this, right? You know what started the uh, the Martin Luther King to pursue what he did was Emmett Till lynching. Mm. Was Emmett Till? What started all today? Yes, the Oscar, uh, Oscar Grants, the countless deaths, but it was, it was the George Floyd. You know, we're fed up now. It was that fed up moment. Yeah. Emmett Till was a fed up moment. Back then, yeah. Emmett Till is four years older than my grandfather. Let's just put that in perspective. He would be four years older than my grandfather today. Mm. So, to me, it, it ha- it's going to take violence and it's going to take a revolution because that's the only way there's been change throughout history is through violence, either ma- war or, or massacres. And this, to me, is going to be more of a, a a single death of George Floyd. Is, is going to catapult this, right? Yeah. And that we see the looting, right? Without the looting, you think all these people will care? Yeah. I'm not saying it's right, but the looting gets people to care. And let's please, please not forget about our black women, man. The, the, Brianna, yep. Tw- the Brianna Taylor situation, that story is God awful. That's hard. Everyone is heartbreaking, you feel me? But like, she was working two jobs as an EMT, you feel me? Yep. Helping on the front lines of this pandemic we fight. And man, that... Her that that that's you know the Elijah McCain. Oh my God! If you if you read that young man's last few words, his, his, that that was just like a testimony of how how beautiful of a soul he was, how 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 real and just genuine of a, a young man he was, and it was just hard. It's heartbreaking, man. It's heartbreaking to see my people. You feel me at at, at this juncture right now? And, and I'm glad you brought that up. Definitely shout out to our black women, 
Um, you know, they're, they're the ones that have to get stuck being a single mom. They're the ones having to mourn over all, all, all the deaths yeah, of black yeah, men. Yeah, yeah. And then also the same ones being killed. Like you said today, Breonna Taylor got shot in her. It almost seemed when a black woman dies, she dies viciously. Breonna Taylor was killed in her sleep. The uh, the young woman we saw today was never burned get to the death. Same coverage, they yeah, never get never. the same coverage. The black woman today was burned to death, right? Mm-hmm. We, we think about San, Sandra, uh, Sandra, uh, Sandra uh, Bland, Bland. Yeah, Sandra sorry, Bland. yeah. R. P. Sandra Bland. Four years ago, she was brutally murdered in jail, in custody, in custody, right? So shout out to all the black women that have lost their lives, and then the black women that have to carry the burden of the black men that are lost have to be oh, they babies out right? there done man. exactly. They have to the mothers. The, the wives, the friends, the sisters, they hold a, a huge burden as well. Um, and again, this we want to wrap this up, but this is just part one of a four-part a four part series we're doing. Uh, the next one, we're going to take a deep dive into uh, the overall relationship from, you know, more highlighting Power 5 coaches and the relationship to players. Um, and we're going to deep dive in that from, you know, Dabo. We've seen recently what happened at Oklahoma State. And we're going to deep dive into that. So um, we hope everyone takes it slow with this. Please listen to this and send us any feedback, something we missed on, something that we're uneducated on. Please please. let us know. Um, Send us links, um, pages, whatever information that we can share on here to get it out to the people. Please send it to us. Um, Follow us at the 510H on Twitter. You can send send us stuff there. Also, email us at the 510Hello at gmail.com. Um, July 28th, Netflix, Last Chance You, Laney College is dropping. Check us out on there. And also uh, check out Crocker Report. Uh, I do some writing there. You can check out uh, some of my insight and other uh, football uh, articles from other writers. Um, yeah, man. And we're going to try to get this one out to you guys as soon as possible. Um, appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Yes, sir.